Hi, everyone. I'm Anthony Giuliano, and this is the Asher Marketing Podcast. Our guest this week is Christy Spencer. Christy, how are you doing? Anthony, how are you? I am great. Thanks for being here with us. So you and I were talking before we hit record that we've kind of known each other forever, but this will be the longest conversation we've ever had. <laughs> well, Yeah. So um, you are in the wonderful world of recreational vehicles now, and I'm hearing that that is a booming business. Tell me more about that. What's going on? What's causing that? And how is that affecting you? Yeah, it's crazy. So what's interesting about the RV business is about every seven years we see an uptick. Every seven, eight years we see an uptick in the business mm -hmm. in any case. Mm -hmm. And so prior to the pandemic, we were on a really nice kind of upward glide. When the pandemic hit, obviously travel shut down, everything yeah. was closed. People still wanted to... Um, still wanted to vacation yeah. and we're looking for ways to do it safely. And and it really dovetailed with a time where people were looking, I think in general, like we're looking for more authentic experiences, mm -hmm. right? So maybe mm -hmm. the glitzy, gaudy, mm -hmm. over the top, you mm -hmm. know, hedonism too yeah. in, in the yeah. Bahamas yeah. isn't quite, doesn't have the shine on it. And, yeah. a, and a lot of people were gravitating towards camping anyway. Yeah. So, so we saw the uptick, the pandemic hit, our industry has exploded. Camping is up 80%. Camping wow. uh, RV sales are up 40%. Huh. And that's a, you know, a relatively mature yeah. industry, yeah. right? It's yeah. not like RVs were invented yesterday. Yeah, for sure. Well, well we're going to talk more about that, but I want to start with your career path because you've done a few things over the years. You were, and I, my, my extensive research being the 10 minute conversation we had before the <laughs> we hit record, but you were in media sales. You worked for a company called Callwell Color, which I'm gonna need your help in defining exactly what Callwell is because it's one of those things that I know, but I can't explain it. Yeah. Then you were at an agency and now you're in the RV world. So yeah. talk us through, how did you start your career? Where'd you go to school? How'd you end up in the career path you're in? And, and how did you make the twists and turns that you made over the years? Yeah. Yeah. Can we stay for longer than an hour? Just <laughs> yeah, we might need it. <laughs> no. So I went to IU, Indiana, mm -hmm. Bloomington. Mm -hmm. I was a telecommunications major. Okay. I didn't even know that that degree existed any longer, but I've gotten a couple of resumes in. Okay. <laughs> so right. it, it still exists, but I was a telecommunications major and yeah. I focused in um, advertising at okay. the time. All right. So, and I went to school, you and I, I think, went to school at about the same time. And it was a, a great time to get into marketing because the marketing was changing a lot. It was a lot, it was um, more research-based, more customer-based. A lot of my education yep. at university was, um, was um, you know, it was, it was a lot of research. It was, it was, it was pretty um, deep, yeah, which I appreciate. Yeah, for me, it was pre-internet, which yeah. was a whole different world. Right. But, you know, you learn some fundamentals that I think are still very valid and important going in. Yeah, I yeah. think when we were in school, that's when, when um, we were really pushed to understand the customer more. Remember yeah. Voice of the Customer? That For was sure. the early marketing warfare, you know, the early yep. days of understanding what made a business tick, how businesses made money. And so um, from there, I did a, an internship at WPTA. Okay. Um, with some people you probably probably both know that are still in the industry here today, and yep. and then did a few stints in radio and mm -hmm. um, outdoor media, and even then, you know, selling radio, um, we would put together these fantastic promotions. I made it more, far more complex than it needed to be. Yeah. I was going to yeah. tell you a story. So Tim Borney yeah. was one of my clients, yeah, and I pulled together a pitch for. Um, um, at Don Ayers, mm -hmm. Honda. Mm -hmm. And the pitch to Tim, I sat in his office, I can remember it like it was yesterday, I sat in his office and said, here, Tim, I've got this idea. 
I think we should put together a campaign to sell cars to women because women buy cars too. (laughs) That's horrible coming out of my mouth now. (laughs) And to Tim's credit, this is so beautiful. To his credit, he looked at me, he goes, I don't think we need to talk down to women who are buying cars. I'm like, oh, (laughs) yeah. It was such a, it was, yeah, I was 23, yeah. maybe it was, yeah. it was awesome. It yeah. was brilliant. But anyway, I did that. And then I moved to Colwell yeah. and, um, and really I ended up there because my brother was, um, an accountant. So I went to work for a division of Colwell called Color Curve Systems. Okay. And my job was to help companies, um, write color control programs for production okay. and then give them the materials to, to, um, Use them in manufacturing. So my clients were Nike and Apple. When oh, wow. Apple, I worked with Apple when um, the IMAX came into being. Oh, we did wow. all of that. Oh, wow. Worked with the M&M Mars when they started introducing new colors, which was, you know, yeah. super secret. We knew that it was going to be blue before oh, anybody wow. else did. But wow. Coca-Cola, um, Adidas, uh, Frito-Lay. It was a great job. I handled the, my territory was the East Coast, the West Coast, and Texas. And some other poor woman had to handle all of the middle. I'm not exactly sure why they divided <laughs> yeah. it up that way. Yeah. But it was amazing. Yeah. So um, I traveled about, I don't know, I think I was on the road pretty much, you know, three, three, three and a half weeks a month. Oh, wow. And uh, loved it. It yeah. was brilliant. I was 25, 26, 27. Sure. sure. So I did that. And then I did a quick stint at a brand strategy firm, Trenton Design. Mm-hmm. Um, worked with Trent Thompson, which was great. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, kind of brought me back to my um, marketing roots. And then Caldwell yeah. um, had me come back and I mm-hmm. um, became vice president of sales and flipped to their paint division. Okay. So what Caldwell's core business is was and is, is making color merchandising tools mm-hmm. for um, paint companies. Yeah. So um, I had a really incredible um, boss, the president of our company, a guy named Don Freeland. Mm-hmm. And Don um, emphasized creativity. Yeah. His thing was that we wanted to think out of the box. We were going to do more than manufacture color merchandising. Mm-hmm. We were going to be the thought leaders yeah. in that space. So, um, you know, for that company, I ran creative camps. We'd go off site uh, every quarter. We'd take a team to some cool city. Yeah. And, and it could be Toronto or L.A. or since we did an incredible one in Cincinnati where mm-hmm. we would just spend um, two days off site and we'd cook together. We'd do what we'd call it um, retail research. Okay. But look and see how other people were, other, yeah. other categories were merchandising and then pull back um, concepts and ideas and ideate, spend time ideating. And so then, not even from the same industry, but just looking. No. At, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Not from the same industry okay. at all. Yeah. And, and really with that company, I mean, every... Every um, color merchandising program that you see anywhere in, certainly in North America right now, has has Caldwell's footprints okay. on it. Okay, okay. So, so color is something that's, you're on a board. Explain this board. Color marketing group. Yeah. So is that something that's sort of happened accidentally or is that a, an interest you've always had? Yeah, so um, it, 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 I was in prepping for this um podcast, I was thinking of just about just about my career. It was actually really fun to think about. Yeah, so thank you for sure. the opportunity. But yeah. but I think part of what um, has been really fun for me is is friendships and relationships mm-hmm. and, mm-hmm. and um, collaborations. So Color Marketing Group is a group of, of for um, your listeners, is a group of color marketing professionals, mm-hmm. people who whose job it is to apply color to Subaru cars mm-hmm. and I mean, everything, you yeah. name it. And, and we get together once a year and we um, look at social, economic, um, political trends, technology trends, yeah. and um, identify where, where those 
those things that are happening in the world that um, those those influence are, influences are going to take color mm-hmm. two and three and five years out. Yeah, well, it's it's a fascinating. I don't want to take us too far off track. Yeah. Cut you off in the middle of talking about your career path. We'll get back to it. But yeah, it is fascinating. It's not something, quite honestly, that I think about very often, but it does kind of smack me in the face. You know, we, yeah. we live in a world in a country where red and blue now have a meaning that yeah. they didn't have 10 years ago, <laughs> for better or for worse. Truly. Yeah. So, you know, that's something I think that has a huge impact on stories and on brands sometimes without us as consumers even realizing. Yeah. And yeah. product, if you look, I think automotive is super interesting right now. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you've noticed the... Um, we're moving away from metallics into mm-hmm. these really beautiful, solid, creamy colors. And yeah. they started in, in um, cars that were focused on millennials and they're really mm. becoming much broader. Okay. So they're very, very reminiscent of colors from the um, the 50s. Okay. And yeah, yeah, it's nice. It's really fun. So yeah, there's a great space to work. When I worked for Caldwell, when I came back to work for Caldwell, I eventually um, ended up um, managing all of our, we had um, manufacturing facilities in Europe, mm-hmm. Asia, um, and South America, relationships yeah. in South America. So I ended up managing um, global sales and marketing. Mm-hmm. So I worked in, I was in Europe a lot. I was in South America a, an awful lot, which was yeah. amazing. I, I committed to 10 days a month, 10 days out of the country mm-hmm. a month for about five years, probably. Okay. And and some of the best relationships I made in that time were also some of my my best friends at Color Marketing Group. Oh, wow. Okay. So um, I think because you're on the road and you're traveling and you're, you know, you're with people through sure. the through yeah. dinner and yeah. on the weekends. And um, it was just really special, different relationships. But that's a huge, that remains, those people from that time in my life remain really important to me. Yeah. Yeah. So mm-hmm. so you're at Caldwell for about 10 years, is that I was, correct? Mm-hmm. And then you move where, and and how does that happen? So after Caldwell, that's when. So when I left Caldwell, I had been. That's when I was working overseas so yep. much. Yep. And it was still. It was amazing. I loved it. I. I. You know. I. There, I still get a little twinge every time I walk down a jet bridge. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's my least favorite part yeah. of travel. Yeah. Sure. But I loved. You know. I've been. So many places, yeah. so many places between my first job at Caldwell and my second job at Caldwell yeah. and um, and develop great, great relationships in the industry. But um, my son hit, I have a 19 year old mm-hmm. son now, his name is Colin, and he hit middle school. Yep. And um, I felt like I needed to be home. Mm-hmm. It was really funny. We were driving to school one day and, I, and he was in the backseat and I said, you know, I'm thinking about changing jobs. I'm thinking that I might take a job in in Fort Wayne and work in the area a little bit more. How do you feel about that? And he sits back and he says, Mom, he goes, you're going to ruin my commute. (laughs) I'm like, what are you talking about? He goes, you're going to ruin my commute. I'm used to staying at grandma's when you're gone. You're going to, you're going to, you know, break the whole thing up, mom. What are you doing? But um, it was totally the right decision. So I had an opportunity. I had used Britain marketing Mm -hmm. and design groups as uh, one of my vendors when I was at, um, when I was at Cowell and, and I've known Jeff and Sue for a long, long time. And they've done a lot of work in the paint space. They've worked with Sherman, Sherman Williams and others. I don't know if that was your influence or if they were doing <laughs> yeah, that beforehand. That's what I did. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So when I, um, and I'd known Jeff and Sue for a long time and, and um, their core business when I came was Vera, mm-hmm. right? So yeah. I think that was 90, 90, 95% of their um, yeah. top line yeah. was Vera Bradley. Yeah. And, you know, everybody knows the work that they did for yeah. Sure. Vera is just remarkable. Yep. So they had 
all of this talent mm-hmm. on board yeah. and um, and really wanted to find a way to extend it to mm-hmm. other, um, other industries. Yeah. So um, Sue and I talked and we came on and I really, interestingly enough, when I came, I didn't, I didn't purposefully plan to stay in paint. That wasn't my, Mm -hmm. that wasn't top of mind. But when I got there, um, I obviously have been designing color merchandising for a really long time and um, knew where a lot of the bodies were buried and Mm -hmm. had a passion for it. So um, shortly after I came, we we landed a job or uh, some former clients of mine from a Canadian paint company called Beauty Tone reached out. Okay. And we did a, a big program with them. So in color um, merchandising for paint companies, when you walk into a Lowe's or Home Depot, mm-hmm. that that array of merchandising is what we call a color system. Okay. Right. So it usually consists of some kind of big palette and then some smaller groups or color cards, you know, just depending on what your yep. commercial objectives are. Sure. So um, we designed, we did some work for... Um, beauty tone and then another friend of mine was the president of ace paints and she called me and said we're gonna blow up um the paint department at Mm. ace we're gonna we're gonna build new products we want to build an entirely we want to build a world-class merchandising experience Mm -hmm. so um we worked with mary and developed the paint studio for ace and then after that um we um ended up inside of sherman williams and we did so much work for Sharon Williams when yeah. I was at Britain. So we um, we did the, actually still at Menards what you see now in the Dutch Boy oh, really? display. Okay. Everything you see. Um, oh. It was really funny at the time when I was at Britain. Um, you know, Vera is such a such a class account to work on, and and there weren't a lot of designers who wanted to work in paint. It yeah. seemed very sure. pedestrian, you know, <laughs> relatively yeah. speaking. Yeah. So the team that worked on um, the ACE project, and actually even the Dutch Boy project project was a couple of interns mm-hmm. of first year. Oh, wow. Um, and a writer who had been writing for social media. Mm-hmm. So it was a very young, yeah. but yeah. but um, obviously super talented. Almost all of them are still there. Yeah. Um, but um, it was a very young, enthusiastic group. And, we, and there wasn't a space. There wasn't a big enough space in the agency at the time for us to meet. So we took over a garage in the back. Yeah, because this, this was when you were out on Coliseum, That's correct? right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's right. So we had one conference room. We could fit eight people yeah. in it. But we really needed, I, I don't know how you create, but when I'm working on a project, I, I call it mementoing mm-hmm. everything, right? So yeah. we put everything up on the walls. Yeah. And, and so we took this young design team and actually... Um, uh, you know Danielle Hartman and Molly Stronsack and Amy mm-hmm. yep. Amy Reef. Yeah. yeah. So it was those three women. Okay. And Emily Richwine, who mm-hmm. is a copy director at Vera Bradley yep. now. Yep. Um, that was the team. Uh-huh. And okay. so we took over a garage and mm-hmm. we would open this big garage door in the back and we had oops, excuse me, lots of blank walls mm-hmm. and um, would put the work up there and yeah. collaborate and critique. And we had this great um uh, technique that I still use today, which we called plussing. We stole it from Disney. Do you know okay. about plussing? I don't. I don't. What's plussing? <laughs> so plussing, it was fun because it, the team was young, right? And nobody was was flawless yeah. at, at that point, including me, right? Mm-hmm. So so we would work on concepts and everybody would go off. We'd meet as a group and kind of lay down the project and everybody would go off on their own and work on the same thing, but separately. Okay. And then we would all bring our work back and you could... We would look, everybody would present their own work and, and you could 
comment on someone else's work, but only to make it better. Okay. So you can yeah. never say, I don't like that, or that's yeah. not really working for me. You'd say, you say, wow, that's really good. What if we added this to it? Mm-hmm. What if we plussed it? Mm-hmm. And it was, um, it was just, a, it was a great vibe yeah. with those women. It was really fun. Yeah. So we did Dutch Boy, which is still probably my favorite project that we've ever worked on. I still love it. I think it's really beautiful and and really um, there's a lot of thought between Dutch Boy. What we did for Sherwin Williams and why we ended up with so much work is Sherwin has a portfolio of about seven paint lines. Mm -hmm seven paint brands and they were all saying the same thing and pointed at the same clientele more or less. Yeah. So they were cannibalizing their own brand. Yeah. That's exactly right. So we took each brand. We ended up um, over over a handful of years taking each brand and really kind of nuancing nuancing Mm -hmm. them to be at a really specific um, audience. So Dutch Boy is very millennial. It's about being messy and play and exploring and painting. And if you love it today and you don't love it tomorrow, you paint again. Or if you paint it, you don't love it, you paint again. Yeah. And there's some pricing implications with that too, I would imagine. Sure. Yeah. Well, you know, one of the things going back to the earlier conversation about how things have evolved over the years, you know, there, there used to be a bigger opportunity to be all things to all people, and that's gone now. You have to know with precision who your audience is mm-hmm. because things are so fragmented. Mm-hmm. And to get the message, it's it's better when you have a target audience today than it's ever been because you can reach them pretty relatively easy. Um, but um, you do have to have that differentiation and know who your audience is. So I think, you know, even in paint, that's super important. Well, and particularly when you're a, 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 they're not a holding company, but when you have a portfolio of brands yeah. in the same space, yep. which is happening in every industry, yep. RV included, yep. we'll talk about that. But yeah. but when you're a when you're a portfolio company, is such a lost opportunity mm-hmm. if you don't if you don't yeah. you know position your brands and in um, unique ways. Sure. So we did um, we did Dutch Boy, which was very millennial, millennial, very fresh, really fun. And then we did um, we worked actually with Sherwin to land the Lowe's account. Mm. So for that for that job, we got we were in the ground floor with the sales team and mm. and uh, built the strategy, did the pitch. You know, we were at Lowe's unveiling oh, wow. this big structure. We ended up building a really tall, tall, tall display, mm-hmm. which had never been done sure. in the space before. It's been copied now and it's yeah, everywhere. But, sure. but at the time, it was it felt pretty crazy. And they um, they did it. They went for it. Oh, they, wow. they took Sherwin on as a brand in Big Box, which had never been done before. Mm. Sherwin had always really wanted to maintain their mm-hmm. their um, their keep their brand outside of Big Box because they obviously they have Sherwin Williams yeah. stores. And sure, can like that. So. Um, worked on that project, worked on a professional paint project called our professional paint brand called Pratt & Lambert, mm-hmm. which is very highbrow, very sophisticated. Okay. And we, I just act, acted like I knew what that was and I don't. And when you said it was highbrow, that's why. So, oh, because yeah. you're super, you know, it's an East Coast brand. <laughs> okay. So, so right. growing up in Massachusetts, it would have been, it'd be a brand that your parents were probably familiar okay. with. All right. But it's really a designer brand. It's very, it's, okay. it's, it's, um, it's similar to Benjamin Moore, I okay. guess, but, yeah. but, um, but it's a, it's, a, it's a narrower brand. So then we brought on Valspar and we worked on some things for that. And I'd known Valspar because I worked with them before. Sure. So sure. And then um, we did the whole Minwax. We redid, redid the Minwax brand, which is super fun because it's a, it's a really cool. It's, it was very similar to Dutch Boy and that mm-hmm. it's a storied American brand. Yep. And um, there's a lot of... Um, 
I don't know, there's a lot of emotion, I guess, around that, and mm-hmm. a lot of nostalgia yeah. around that brand. And um, we, we like Dutch Boy, we modernized it. We got to touch the logo. We got to touch the go-to-market strategy. Yeah. So that was super fun. And um, yeah, it was a good, working at Britain was, it was it was a chance. So when I worked at Caldwell, we we kind of got to level one with the paint companies. But but when I went to Britain, we got to go behind the scenes yeah. and see all the machinations that led up to the decisions and work with, you know, the vice presidents and the sales sure. team. And it was it was a blast. Yeah, we had a ton that of fun. sounds like a really great experience. Yeah. So so you're at Britain for about six years, mm-hmm. and then you move into the position you're in now. So what? tell me about that transition. How do you end up working for Keystone RV? Yeah. So um, at the agency for six years, super rewarding. I knew that I wanted um, to be on the inside. So I'm a pretty um, business-minded business marketer, mm-hmm. right? It's really important to me that that the marketing work that I do has material gains for the business, right? Yeah, That's the fun sure, part. I sure, love to that see it's the a means impact. To an end, not an end unto itself. Right, right, yeah. right. and and that it's really tightly knit with the strategy overall. Mm-hmm. And I just I want to understand that. So so for that reason, I hadn't ever worked on the inside. Yeah. And um, so my son was still in high school again. Mm-hmm. And so everything is children centric, yep. as you know. Yep. Until at some point, I hear they get launched. I don't know if that's true. Yeah, it's, it's great. It's great. <laughs> I, I tell people all the time that I'm, um, I'm either enjoying that phase or I'm a terrible parent because there are multiple days go that go by that I forget I have a child. Right? It's like, oh yeah, I have someone, someone who I'm somewhat responsible to in months. So yeah, and we love them very much, yeah. but. There, that will be their time, and it will be our That's time right. too. That's right. Colin's actually in school now at University of Washington, okay. so I got I got a taste of yeah. that. And then the pandemic, he ended up finishing uh, his last quarter at home. Yeah, um, but he was still in high school mm-hmm. um, here in Fort Wayne, and and so when I kind of looked around at, at what opportunities mm-hmm. I had in Fort Wayne. RV was so interesting because it's very similar to where Sherwin was mm. in that. Mm. Um, Keystone. So the company I work for now is the largest manufacturer of towable RVs okay. in probably the world, but okay. certainly North America. Okay. So towable is anything that you don't drive, mm-hmm. right? So fifth wheels, travel trailers, yep. toy haulers. I'll teach you all about those. Yeah, I'll need uh, all the help I can get. I know, right? It's a <laughs> yeah. foreign language for me too. But but from outside looking in, it was kind of a sea of sameness, right? So here, all of these are all of these RVs, all of these brands, all of these models, and and they all look the same. And they truly did, particularly then, really look the same. They take design cues from each other. Yep. They use similar naming conventions. It's it's a very product driven, historically a very product driven um, industry. Okay, and um, so I was intrigued. Mm-hmm. I I wondered if um, the experience I'd had at Sherwin, I could take that knowledge and into a new space and maybe do something similar. Mm-hmm. So I um, actually, I reached out to the CEO at the time via LinkedIn, which cracks me up because how many how many people reach out to you on LinkedIn on any given day? Yeah, like a all, million. All the time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> a million, and I never sure answer. Happens happens to you too, and <laughs> I never most answer of them are anybody. Sales inquiries for from people I've never heard of. And, right. You know, those just kind of go in one right. area and out the other. Yeah. Right. So, but for whatever reason, and, and it was it was a few years ago where it wasn't quite as proliferate mm-hmm. as it yeah. is now. Sure. Um, but he 
read my email. He yeah. read my LinkedIn message and I, I just I wrote him a note and I said, hey, I, I see what you're doing. I think it's really intriguing. I, I have some thoughts about portfolio management. Mm-hmm. I'd love to talk to you about it. And, yeah. and he reached out and, um, and we talked and he hired me ridiculously quickly. Yeah, well, I, mean, I think you, he was just tired. You know, when, <laughs> when you show an interest in what people do and you show them that you did your homework, that's way different than, you know, getting a formulaic email where the only thing they wrote differently in it is your name, if that. So right. it sounds like you took the time to do your research and customize the message in a way that got attention. So that's good. Yeah. 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 It was good. It was good. Yeah, so that's where I am now. I've been there for three years. So let's talk about Keystone then. Tell us a little bit about how you describe the company to um, those who who don't know a lot about it. What what is what are some of the brands? What are the points of differentiation? Tell us all about it. Yeah, sure. So, um, like I said, Keystone's the, the largest in the industry. So, the RV industry is very similar to a lot of a lot of industries in that there are three big companies that kind mm-hmm. of own everyone. Mm-hmm. So in our industry, it's Thor Industry, mm-hmm. which is my parent company, mm-hmm. and um, Forest River, mm-hmm. and Winnebago. Mm-hmm. And Winnebago is kind of the small kid on the block, even yep. though they're smaller, they're still quite large, even though they're you know that's the heritage name in the industry. Yeah, and and Winnebago to some extent is the Kleenex as, as Kleenex is to tissues. Winnebagos have become to RVs to some extent. Absolutely, which is probably not not something your brand wishes was true. But, <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. But you know they're cool. They've got great nostalgia. And I know sure. I know my counterpart at yeah. um, Winnebago really well. Um, so um, so Keystone um, Keystone has nineteen nameplates. Mm-hmm. So we manufacture everything from thirteen, fourteen thousand dollars single axle. We call them minis, single mm-hmm. axle RVs, all the way up to forty three foot, sixteen thousand pound oh, wow. fifth wheels. Wow. Um, and you know every der- derivation they're in. So my company was built on a distribution mo- com- distribution model. Our company's 27, 28 years old, I think now, which which interestingly is relatively old in the RV space. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So we're we're kind of worth that. We're at a more mature level. But when the company was built, it was um, the model was distribution. So the more dealers you could get, the more product you could sell. So kind of like um, Ford did with Mer- Mercury when sure. we were growing up, right? We stood up two brands in in every product classification. Okay. So um, so there's the 19 nameplates, and 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 they are different so so yeah like i said so part of what i'm doing is trying to understand yeah. where where they are and what we can do with them but um we have a campus up in goshen indiana it's a contiguous campus that we manufacture from i think we have 24 plants is huge oh, it's wow. just huge wow and How then we employees ish you know? seven thousand wow mm-hmm. wow i had no idea okay yeah 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 it's it is you're welcome to come up anytime yeah, you like it's fascinating yeah. um so 7,000 employees, and then we also have a manufacturing plant in Pendleton, Oregon. Mm-hmm. One of the things about RVs that's interesting is is you have to get them to the destination where, where they'll be yeah, sold, sure. and it's not free, right? Yeah. So if we have to move a product from um, Goshen out to Portland, yep. and it's a $14,000 product, it's really hard to figure out how to add that transportation cost in to sure. the cost of goods, right? Sure. So so how much are you dealing with supply chain issues right now? Oh. A, a recent guest was Josh Wickersham, who's with Harris Boats. Oh, yeah. Same. So we were talking about that, and I, I'm guessing there's some parallels there. Yeah. Yeah. So in, in my, and it impacts my role too, but 
um, yeah, right now supply chain, it, we, the demand is so high. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so that's that. And, and we'd have supply issues, supply chain issues if demand were, yeah. if that alone was, mm-hmm. was what was going on. But then with all the kind of trade related and mm-hmm. pandemic related shortages, it's a huge issue. And, yeah. and, um, I think we're almost to the other side of that in mm-hmm. my industry. Yeah. But you never know, you know, that the blizzard in Texas knocked out the fiberglass yeah. uh, uh, industry for three weeks. Yeah. I mean, it was it was crazy. So no insulation, no fiberglass yeah. parts. And yeah. so it's a big issue. And the other big issue that we're facing right now as an industry is labor. Mm-hmm. And um, what's curious about the RV industry is 90 to 95% of all RVs manufactured in North America are nan- manufactured in Elkhart County. Yeah, that's that's something I've, I've heard and, and I've never um, delved into that is what's the, what's the legacy of that? How has that come to be? Yeah, how has it come to be and how can it still be? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so really... Not only are all the manufacturers there at this point, I don't know how, I actually, Anthony, don't know how it yeah. came to be. I yeah. imagine, you know, somebody built a company and then two people jumped off and built yeah. another company. Yeah. And, yeah. and um, but at this point, the um, supply chain is so consolidated, is also super consolidated in yeah. Elkhart County. Mm-hmm. So if you think about what we build, we have to roll in chassis and mm-hmm. sidewalls and you know big pieces lots and yeah, lots you're building a home on wheels in in some cases even when it is in every yeah total. Case. Yeah. yeah 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 it is it is all of the construction and and they're um they're really built like homes they're built by hand they're not it's not like our gm plant yeah. down the road where mm-hmm. um construction is automated they're built built by human beings it's yeah. remarkable yeah so at this point you know just to, to um stand up uh an rv company outside of that bubble you've got a lot of other costs in getting sure getting components and goods to you so sure i think that's why it remains so consolidated but you know the 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 issue we're facing right now is um, labor. You know, we—they're fantastic jobs. Gosh, people who work in our plants do very, very, very well. It's hard work, yeah, um, but they do remarkably well, far better than I did for a lot of my yeah, career. And sure, um, but they can't find housing. And so, so was there a period where construction just where manufacturing just stopped during the pandemic? Yeah, and if so, how long was that? Yeah, it wasn't very long. Yeah. Um, so we, we, everything shut down kind of mid-March, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like we shut down, I'm guessing, I feel like we shut down manufacturing maybe the last week of March. Yep. And I think we were down through May, mm-hmm. maybe mid-April. Yeah. The um, it, We were deemed essential services. Yeah. So we were allowed yep. to come back up pretty yep. quickly, but then even then, you know, we had to combat. It's it's a lot of people, seven thousand people who are working in yeah. close quarters, and yep. and so um, we had lots and lots of our workforce um, um, struggle. Right? Yep. I mean, there, sure. they, we have multi generational households in Goshen, you have and kids at home. You have all kinds of things. Yeah. Yeah. So it was a tough time. It does feel like the in the company was terrific. They really, um, I, I feel like they really stepped up, but uh, it was I. I I'd be okay if we didn't do that. Yeah, again. yeah, yeah. I'd like to, to skip that <laughs> yeah. next time it comes around. If yeah, can. yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. So tell us a little bit. You mentioned before we hit record, you've got a team of 14 now. Is that correct? I do. Tell us a little bit about your team. How does the work get done? Yeah, it is. Um, 
it is crazy. Mm-hmm. It's really, it's really crazy. And I'm every day trying to figure out how to do it better. Mm-hmm. Um, but we have a whole creative team. So almost all of our creative is done in-house. Yep. Um, we have um, some uh, a full video team, photography, design. Uh, we don't have a writer. I really need to hire a writer. So if you're out there <laughs> and you want to write for Keystone, call me. Um, but um, we have so much product go through. So we have 400 plus models that, that change. They used to change twice a year, which was crazy. Another story. But now they change uh, once a year. And so we're constantly putting, constantly um um, putting out creative and, you know, with social now and digital, yeah. it's, it's, you know, the, the um, vacuum that never ends. Yep. So, yep. but it's great. I mean, it's a great space to work in. We have beautiful products to talk about. We talk about fun and recreation. Yeah. So it's amazing. So, so, so on, under my responsibility is this creative team. We have a terrific studio and then we have, um, programs. So we have a, we have a, I manage inside sales. Mm-hmm. Um, so we've got an inside sales team and that's backed by a big tech stack. It's fueled by our website, right? Okay. So we're pulling leads into our mm-hmm. website. Everything about our website is a performance marketing kind of engine yep. to pull leads. And then these people um, work with work with you if you're interested in buying an RV to yep. answer questions or show you product or locate product on the ground. Yep. And um, they're really kind of the, they're the human part of, mm-hmm. of the rest of it. So that team, and then we have a um, big channel marketing effort. So mm-hmm. we're two-tier distribution, obviously. We have yep. independent dealers, and so we have to market to dealers, and then we also market to consumers. Yep. And um, so our channel marketing team, we um, we do all kinds of things. We, we just built a a big um, sales enablement enablement platform for our dealers. So it's training, incentive, motivation. It has leaderboards. It gives you product information as you're walking a customer out to the lot. Mm-hmm. It's kind of all in your pocket. Yeah. And um, then you get you level up like you do with sure. a, you know, a, a, a Delta Sky Miles program, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So um, there's that piece. We support the, our dealer marketing team with resources and tools and know how. Um, we do a lot of with dealer satisfaction, understanding what's working really well, what's mm-hmm. not, kind of monitoring that over time to make yeah. sure we're moving the needle. Um, gosh, that team does a lot. So there's that group. And then we just recently, and channel marketing, so a lot of this has been built in the past three years. Channel marketing's been a thing for a year and a half, maybe. Okay. And then we just um, set up another discipline called Owner Success. So one of the cool things about Keystone is we have a million owners on the road. You know, mm-hmm. I, I say our one of our, our greatest strengths is our size and mm-hmm. our greatest weakness is our size. Yeah, sure. So we look to lean into our, our um, strength, lean into our size as a strength. So um, we've got folks now focused on um, remarketing to owners, obviously, mm-hmm. but also making sure that owners feel a love and we're celebrating and we're sharing owner stories and we're um, engaging and again, being human. We're a big company you know Mm -hmm. we're a big big company and um i don't want to lose that it's so um emotional Mm -hmm. you know camping and your rv is so personal and i think when you're a company our size you um you very quickly can become the bad guy yeah right and we're not bad guys and our customer service team is amazing so 
Um, a woman named Alyssa Casey is looking after that part of our business. And then um, I have two people who look after all of the brands. So okay. you can imagine the data oh, yeah. that it takes oh, sure. to um, not only, I mean, just the data it takes to load our website and get floor plan drawings and, and then market the brands yeah. individually on top. I mentioned that we are a distribution-based company. And for a long time, those brands just stood alone. You were Cougar or Montana and Keystone was you didn't talk about mm -hmm. Keystone. And mm -hmm. we've kind of flipped that a little okay. bit because there's a lot of strength with Keystone, but we still like to tell brand stories. Sure. So how much of your experience, obviously some of the paint stuff applies and, and you know, there's things that apply. How much of it was new and you had to learn it from the ground up and how much of your experience translated coming in the door? Yeah, so much. Yeah. <laughs> I, feel like I, I feel like I'm getting my PhD right now. Yeah. Yeah. And um yeah, the tech part. So I'd worked some with, you know, website builds, but but the the tech stack that we have that manages, you know, everything we do right yeah. now is um is pretty robust and that was all pretty new to me. Okay. So I laugh with anybody I work with. I say, I'm going to ask you the question three times because yeah. it's going to take me three times yeah. to understand what you're talking about. Yeah. yeah. Well, the last guest I spoke to, Melissa Dunning, we were talking about how she now works for Burn Apparel. She's been there three months coming off 17 years in a different industry. So I, I told her it was both fascinating and terrifying for me to hear about that because I've been doing the same thing for 17 years. So I can imagine it's it's a lot to learn for sure. There's so many, um, one, it can be totally overwhelming, yeah. but, but there's nothing you can't figure out. Sure. There's so many resources at your, at your disposal. And yeah. you now I did the same thing here that I've done in every job that I've ever had. I just, I found the people who knew yeah. and asked them tons of questions and made them my friends and yeah. had them on speed dial. And, yep. and until I, you know, and I faked it until yeah. I, until yeah, I could figure sure. it out, sure. but it took, I, you know, I, I think with any job for me, it's taken two years to, to get to any level of yeah. competence, mastery, whatever. And it, this this job, it took three. Yeah. It yeah. really did. Well, and, and sometimes you want to hang on to some of that objectivity because the the more you become expert in an area, you kind of forget what the customer you know doesn't know. So you need to hang on to some of that. Um, and, and that's one of the advantages I've found of working at agencies. You can't get too deep into many industries. So you can bring an objectivity that could be helpful to telling the story because you're sort of where many of the consumers are in terms of your knowledge. So, yeah. yeah, yeah, that's totally true. So in terms of, of big projects, things that are taking up a lot of your headspace right now, what's on your plate? What are some of the, the major things that are keeping you up at night, getting you excited, maybe some combination of those? Yeah, well, I sleep terribly as a rule. <laughs> <laughs> so, so you don't need any help. Everything. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, so we spent the first, um, the first two and a half years uh, really just doing all the blocking and tackling. Mm -hmm. What's the brand about? Building, yep. building the branding and harmonizing Keystone and bringing that to the front. We built the website, we built the sales enablement, I can't say that word today, <laughs> platform. And now it's like the engine's on and we're figuring out how to make it, how to make it better. Yep. So um, we're interrogating the heck out of our website and how it's being used and um, where there are breakpoints and um, and then fixing them, right? Yeah. Like kind of systematically fixing sure. them. And and the same thing with our, um, we call it Key Connect, which is its inside sales program. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. so when we take, when you enter a form on our website, of course we start 
tracking you and yeah, we know sure. everything sure. you do forever. Yeah. But um, we also pass those leads. Well, we nurture some of the leads, but some of the leads we pass off to our dealers. Mm-hmm. And we've connected with our dealers all the way through their CRMs. Mm-hmm. So we understand, we can see, basically we can see from, from the time you become a lead to if you close the sale. So, so we're interrogating how the website works. We did a huge project for that Key Connect team. They were using four or five different softwares. There was a lot of indirect labor yeah. that was causing them to be inefficient. So, it, so on, the, on the CRM side, your dealers are independent. They're all using different CRM. Yeah, that's that's going to be a challenge. Yeah. <laughs> it, is, yeah. it is, but we have a great partner in that space, a company called Rollick, and mm-hmm. um, they built TrueCar. They, anyway, mm-hmm. they've just got really great technology. And so we can integrate with almost any CRM system. Okay. And when we pass a, a prospect off as they move through that dealer sales cycle, if we're integrated, we can see, you know, how they, oh, if they visited yeah. the dealership, if they've got a working deal, if they've got a closed deal, and then we get all of the warranty registrations back mm-hmm. in through our company, mm-hmm. and we reconcile that with the leads. So okay. we have a, a, a reasonable idea of yeah. close sales. So you still have a window into it, even if the lead's no longer yours. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah okay. It's true. So, so what's keeping me up at mm-hmm. night is it's not in, in, in an excited way. Like, yeah. like I can now turn the dials and really really make those systems hum. And I think for the past, you know, two and a half, you know, three years, it's just been a waterfall just trying to get things done. Sure. Sure. Okay. So now we're going to move to the speed round of the show. We're going to ask you a few questions that are like the questions we've already talked about, although I might throw you a curveball. Oh, boy. Um, And I'm looking for sort of your your tweetable, digestible advice and, and thinking. The first one has to do with career path. Yeah. You know, if you're talking to um, your son, if you're talking to someone who's younger in their career, if you're talking to someone who's thinking about making a career change, like some of the changes you've made, what's your best advice? What do you think is most important in terms of building a successful career in marketing or beyond? I'm so curious to know what you'll say about this, too. Um, I'd say curiosity. Yeah. So ask tons of questions, mm-hmm. meet people who are interesting, you know, yeah. learn, even if it's not germane to what you're doing at this moment. Yeah. Um be be curious and build build relationships. Yeah. Period. Yeah, that's actually one of the first words in your LinkedIn summary is the word curious. <laughs> I noticed that. So yeah. Yeah, that, that shows up a lot. Yeah. That shows up and and I'll tell you my my I don't I feel like I don't deserve to have done many of the things that I've been able to do in my career. I feel super super lucky. Yeah. And and it's the people that I met along the way that pulled me mm-hmm. in to, yeah. you know, the woman who pulled me into ACE, there was an EVP at um, Sherwin who I'm so close with that gave yeah. us more business than I could ever imagine. So, yeah. so and those are, that's how those relationships were built. Yeah. Yeah. I, I said there was a group that I was speaking with last night and I said, anything good that has ever happened to me is all because of a relationship. You know, it's because even this podcast is because I knew Nick and it right. would not have happened if I didn't have a relationship with someone who knows what they're doing because I clearly don't in this space. <laughs> so yeah, it, it really comes back to that. And I like the curiosity piece. One of the things that I've I've tried to get better at in this podcast is a sneaky way of doing it is listening. And if you're curious, you're going to naturally be better at listening than if you're less so. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Second question. Um, and this one, I'm going to throw you a little bit of a curveball. I like to ask people, you know, to summarize their organization in a pithy phrase, but that's too easy for you. So, I'm going to make it a little more difficult. What is something that you would like people to know about either Keystone 
or the RV industry at large that you think is a misconception that you'd like to correct? I'm so glad you asked that. All right. I'm so glad you asked that. This was not not (laughs) set up beforehand. No, it wasn't. But it is interesting. And, and, you know, I I don't know what anybody's conception of the RV Mm -hmm. industry is or... Um, but I know what mine was for sure. And and um, the the real real of the industry is is our the people who live this lifestyle are fascinating. Mm-hmm. They um, they're adventurous and they love yeah. the outdoors. And we have so many um, if you look at our ambassadors, um, we have so many really interesting families who are taking their kids on the road full yeah. time. Yeah. And it, I think I think what has this terrible analogy that I always use with my team and they they groan every time I use it but but I'll use it with you because I don't have another one but <laughs> with RVing it, it if you imagine what your best life looks like mm-hmm. right like what your best life looks like and it's probably not maybe not going to an office mm-hmm. and and yeah. staying up all night every sure. day your best life looks like being um being one with nature, mm-hmm. being settled in yourself, yeah. finding peace, thinking, having time to reflect, being physically fit, being active. You know, I say that the RVs are the toast that gets the jelly to your mouth. <laughs> <laughs> but RVing for yeah. so, it's, it's great. I mean, I just, RVing for me was Yogi Bear Campground. You mm-hmm. sit, you build a fire, you drink a bunch of beer and, and, and people do that. Yeah. And it's a blast yeah. too, but 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 for so many people, are becoming an RV owner is a ticket to this this kind yeah. of you know ideal lifestyle. Yeah. It's it's remarkable, even more out west than on the eastern half of the states. Yeah, and and you know it's funny you mention that because I I've heard so many great stories from from people who have taken advantage of that. There's a, a couple that I, I did some LinkedIn training for a couple of years ago, and I was talking to them about their story and the. They, they co-own a, an HR consulting business, and the the woman in the relationship, she um, actually lost her first husband and decided she was going to take a year off, take the kids, homeschool them, but from an RV and just see the country. Yeah. Um, and then she remarried, and now as a couple, they say they like to travel very, very slowly, and they <laughs> do it in an RV. And, and I was like, I would like to do that yeah. someday. So, yeah, I think those those stories are out there, and, and you're seeing a lot of brands really harness those stories, and it's some of the best marketing ever, because who doesn't want that life? <laughs> I got a call on Thursday. I was driving up to Chicago, and I got a call from a couple who just bought Arcadia, which is a new product line mm-hmm. that we just launched. It's beautiful. You should totally check it out. Um, but she plans all events for Google worldwide. And he also works for Google. Uh, he's a project manager of some kind. And they, they because of the pandemic, yeah. right? That so many, you know, you know about REI built this gorgeous yep. yeah. headquarters that they're that they're not they're selling, right? Yeah. But because we're moving to such remote work, that that people who are able and have an appetite for it can buy an RV and a truck and work from anywhere and they are and yeah. that's what this couple plans to do yeah it really pushed the envelope on location independence and something that i think was a fringe phenomenon is now becoming much more mainstream and yeah yeah there's something to that for sure you you hit the industry at the right time I so, did. Yeah. it's pretty magical yeah so one last question yeah. so 
you know, what have you taken away from the pandemic, which hopefully we're coming out of? What have you taken away from the experience over the last 14 months that you think will stick with you for the rest of your career? Oh, my gosh. You didn't give me this question in advance. Yeah, I'm pretty good. Yeah, I think that... um, I think that, so I'll answer from a manager's perspective and, and, you know, this is not a, I could say resilience and whatever. And, and, and that is true, but, but I think this past 14 months was really hard on my team. I think it was really hard on, on everybody in my company, but I've obviously worked closely with my team and I just got through, um, performance evaluations I got a little behind, um, behind this year, but I just did performance evaluations maybe two months ago and, and to a person and and suffering may not be exactly the right word but 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 maybe it is to a person almost everybody was suffering a little like they were questioning and they were feeling um disconnected and they really almost everybody said we 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 need i want to get together and do things do more things together and one one of my team members listed all the employee benefits that google (laughs) offers i'm like well i'm not sure we can go there but yeah, yeah but um as a manager, it's really impacted um, what I what I'm bringing to the table for them. So I I shifted pretty hard. I'm I'm pretty um, you know I love the work. I can get a little carried away in the work. I'm pretty aggressive yeah. in our goals and and um, I pivoted mm-hmm. you know probably thirty degrees and um, I'm spending a lot of time looking. Um, working with my people and and my team and and spending a lot one on ones every week with everybody. Period. We don't move yeah. them, and yeah. so that that probably is the biggest impact that it had on me as a professional. Yeah, well, and, and I think that's that's a a fairly common story. One of the things I think that was a good outcome, even though the pandemic itself was obviously a very bad thing. One of the good outcomes it's kind of removed the artifice of people just having a a work life and your coworkers now you you've seen you know their kids and their cats and their right. homes through the lens of you know video conference so you can't forget about that part of their life and i know that it's you know it, for me being someone who has an adult son and in a different phase of life i you know i really felt for our younger employees with kids because that's a whole different and they're still dealing with it in many respects so you know it, it really i think forced employers to think about uh, their people as people and say, how are we going to adapt to this new world where this is now sort of, you know, all all in front of us? And I think many employers have done a good job of that, but it's out of necessity because now, you know, with as, as you were talking about with the job market, it's incredibly competitive. And I think people now won't tolerate <laughs> workplaces that don't respect the rest of their life. And I, I think that's a force for good. I really do. Yeah, I do too. Our industry, um, I think that was true of millennials probably prior to yeah. the pandemic. And I think it's much wider ranging now. Yeah. And it is a good thing. Our industry is conservative. And um, mm-hmm. so that has been um, complicated yeah, and a little sure. disruptive and a little sure. uneasy. And they've fortunately given given me the latitude to, our, our rules are a little bit different in the yeah. department. And I'm super thankful for that. I think yeah. our people are feeling, um, and we have more flexibility. We yeah. can do our work from more places. Sure. But 
Um, yeah, it's been interesting, and, and you're right. It's not a bad thing. Yeah. It's it's um, it's it's a good place to understand. It's a good point of view. Yeah. For us to look at our employees with. Yeah. Wow. We got really deep there for a minute. Man. I know. I yeah. know. I get a little teary. It's a big responsibility. <laughs> yeah, really Managing is. people is a big responsibility. Well, I think it really heightened that. You know, the responsibility you feel. I certainly I work with people who. Each and every one of them is way more capable than I am of, mm. of almost everything. But when you're more senior in an organization, it hit pretty close to home last year how much of a responsibility you do have to do your best work and to and to lead, if I can if I can use that word, in a way that's going to help people get through a very difficult time. And that's something that I, I think I always knew in the back of my head, but I never felt it as much as I did last year. For sure. Yeah, yeah. for yeah. sure. Same. Well, Christy, this was really fun. Thanks for having the first conversation ever with me. So exciting. Yeah. And <laughs> Thanks for inviting me. Yeah, it was it was great. And I really appreciate it. And, and I will take you up on that offer and someday come see your place and learn more about it. You'll love it. It's yeah. crazy. It yeah, really well, is. Well, thanks for being here. And thanks to everyone who took the time to listen to this episode of the Asher Marketing Podcast. We will be back next week with another great guest. And we hope you will join us then. 